people think that they are now a functional trainer because they're using certain tools, yet it's just a tool. If you don't understand the how and the why, then it really has no power or impact. You're listening to the Fitness Industry Podcast, powered by Australian Fitness Network. For articles, resources, and inspiration to grow your fitness business and career, go to fitnessnetwork.com.au, where you can also find a huge range of online courses accredited for CECs and other professional development credits, with up to a massive 30% saving for members of Australian Fitness Network. And for face-to-face learning, network members also save on standard rates for Filex, the fitness industry convention. In this episode, functional training maestro and business coach Dan Henderson sits down with a Fitness Industry Podcast's Oliver Kitchingman to discuss how trainers can inadvertently reinforce dysfunction, defining what you want to achieve with every movement, weighing up risk and reward, and how to build high-performance teams. Dan, welcome to the Fitness Industry Podcast. My pleasure. Thank you very much, Ollie, for having me here. Dan, Dan, the Function Man. At the Functional Training Institute, you guys obviously have a big focus on functional training. That's what you are. You were the Kettlebell Institute of Kettlebells. Um, We've had a couple of evolutions, actually. Mm. So the very first one was Sydney Kettlebells. Okay. Obviously, we were delivering kettlebells in Sydney. Yep, that's exactly what it says on the tin. (laughs) Quickly evolved past that name, and so we decided that we'd become the Australian Institute of Kettlebells. You can't be on Sydney. Excellent. You can't be on Sydney. But not be on kettlebells yet. And not be on Australia. (laughs) So we needed a name that encapsulated our growth and what we really stood for. So we made the move to Functional Training Institute probably two to three years ago. And we'll see how long this name stays for. <laughs> well, it seems to give you a bit of a wider remit than, you know, one one area and one tool. So yeah, I'd say that, that holds you in good stead for a while. A, a little while, yeah. So hopefully longer than a couple of years before we take on our fourth name. <laughs> so you got functional in your name. Yep. It's been a big word in the industry for several years now, obviously. It's also hotly contested what exactly is, is meant by functional training. I would imagine that you guys would have a fairly strong opinion on this. Yeah, it's a, I mean, everything is kind of functional if you look out in the market right now. If I walk in that expo hall, I can see every second store is selling a functional product. And so it is a very hotly contested term. I think it's been a bastardized term, if, if I'm completely honest. It's become a buzzword. And, you know, people have different definitions in and around it. So some people will say, well, functional movement is movement that you replicates day-to-day movements. And that may be one definition of it. People say, well, it's multi-joint movements. It shouldn't be singular joint. People will say it's multi-planar. People, you know, have different variations. It involves certain tools. It doesn't involve certain tools. And I think, you know, at the end of the day, it's become a little ridiculous because we start seeing these things labeled as functional, which are actually highly dysfunctional. So, you know, people were for a long time standing on uneven surfaces, doing, you know, Olympic lifting and things like that, thinking that it was functional. It's not. It's just stupid. So when we think about functional, I think it's very context specific. All right. So how am I going to enhance the function of this person within the situation they're in? And how am I going to help them function better for what they want to achieve in life? So that would be very different from the sedentary person to the athlete. So what may be functional to an athlete, for example, if they're, you know, maybe a glute activator such as a hip raise is functional to them in terms of what they need to do in their athletic pursuits. But for an everyday sedentary person, maybe just getting them to move through a full range of motion in a multi-planar fashion and getting them moving 
multi-joints and using big muscles and helping them improve their strength, balance, coordination, and fitness, maybe that's functional. So I think we need to have a look at context when we define function and how does it enhance what they're ultimately trying to achieve. So it really is a case of just really, really knowing your client. It absolutely is, yeah. I I don't think you can just use it as a complete umbrella term and just go, this is the functional movement. Because for some person, one person, it might be completely functional. And for another, you might be actually compounding a dysfunction by doing so. So, I mean, I guess you you must see PTs, you know, maybe when you're out and about, when you're in the, you know, PTs in the park or whatever, doing function, delivering what they might term functional training sessions. What are the biggest no-nos that you see in terms of functional training? Yeah, so I think there's a number of things really. So particularly around some of the tools, some of them are very, very technical to use. So the reason we teach kettlebells over two days is because it's a highly technical tool. The reason why we teach barbells over two days is it's highly technical. Same with battling ropes. They're more technical than people think. And so people think that they are now a functional trainer because they're using certain tools Yet it's just a tool. If you don't understand the how and the why, then it really has no power or impact. And so some of the things I see is really the misuse of these tools. And what they're doing is they're not actually helping their client get stronger, fitter, more coordinated, but they're actually reinforcing dysfunction. They're reinforcing bad movement patterns, and they're not leaving the client better than when they arrived. And so for me, that's dysfunctional. I think some of the silly things that I've seen in and around some of the tools they use, like do we really need to use sledgehammers, for example, like to to get a result? Or do we really need to, you know, jump on surfaces that, that we shouldn't be jumping on and doing complex movements? Like it's just silly. Don't do every exercise. You should go, okay, what is the purpose of this movement? It has to have a strong underlying purpose. If I see somebody's program, I should be able to ask, why is that in there? What are we trying to achieve with that movement? That's where I can see whether it's functional or not. So it has to have great focus. It has to has great have great intention. Otherwise, it shouldn't be in there. The other thing is I always go, well, what is the risk reward on this movement or this exercise? If the risk of it is greater than the inherent rewards, then remove it because we're about building people up and getting them better. We're not about breaking them down and having injuries or any other kind of things that can happen. Yeah. So the risk of actually injuring or the risk of developing bad movement patterns? Yeah, both. Absolutely. So, you know, when I have a look at an overhead kettlebell swing, for example, I apply the risk reward methodology to that. And I'm like, the the inherent risk on taking it above eye level to overhead is not worth it. It's not because... There's not much inherent reward in that, but there's a great amount of risk that we're increasing when we do so. So it doesn't meet or it doesn't pass the risk reward test. So every exercise a fitness professional puts in their program should, A, number one, have a strong underlying purpose, but two, pass the risk reward test. Absolutely. Yeah. Makes perfect sense. Yeah. So what's on the uh, the horizon for functional training? Uh, obviously, you guys, as you mentioned, you know, you started with the kettlebells. Battling ropes is now a big part of it. I know that sandbag training has become a thing that a lot of functional trainers have been using in recent years. Is it anything new on the horizon or is it, is it kind of now moving into an evolution of the way it's delivered? Yeah, I think... It's both, really. I I think, you know, there's there's really what we've tried to do is we were first in the market with a lot of our education. We were the first ever accredited kettlebell course in Australia, first accredited battling rope course, first accredited bags and, and mobility. And so we were first in the market on a lot of things. That's been awesome because we've always prided ourselves on being ahead of the curve and and being early adopters and being innovators. 
But what has also happened is that means that a whole bunch of copycats have entered the market as well. And so we need to just stick to our values in everything that we do and ensure that level that it's delivered in is absolutely world-class in each and every time. So whilst we've still got the same kettlebell course that we delivered in 2008, we have now added more science to it. We have now added more coaching principles to it because we keep having a look at where the science is developing, where the research is developing, and we want to just enhance those courses. In terms of how we deliver it, this is where we've made the biggest pivot and change as an organization. We've made a significant change. Last year, I met with Thomas Plummer. Thomas Plummer is one of my friends and mentors. And he said, Dan, you have to start embracing technology more in your delivery. And so that really started a journey for us. And we had a look at some of the best learning management systems and methods of delivering online education. We'd always done everything face-to-face, and we're not about to remove that, but rather how we're delivering a lot of our education now is in a blended format. So, you know, a participant will watch our videos, they'll read our manuals prior to coming to the course themselves, and then they can just get a lot more from the practical component. Mm. They're just that more... You know, there's a good foundation in place. There's a good baseline. They understand what we're about and we're not wasting any time. We can just get to the heart of the actual practical components themselves. And so we last year, well, for over 12 months, we've been developing this online learning management system. We use a system called Canvas. It is one of the best learning management systems in the world. Some of the biggest education institutions in the world use it. Sydney University, Harvard, for example, use Canvas. So that's how we're delivering our education. We filmed every single component of all of our courses are fresh and new. And now we have this great platform that delivers all of that. So that's really powerful for us. It enables us to enhance our reach and enables us to enhance our impact and it enables us to enhance the overall consumer experience. Okay. So tech's the way to go. Absolutely. If you don't embrace tech, you're going to be left behind. And I was resistant to it for a little while. And I needed that hard, firm word that Thomas is very good at delivering. (laughs) There's no nonsense there. (laughs) There's no nonsense. Uh, He told me how it was. And so we made a, a decision then to commit a lot of resources, a lot of time and a lot of money to making that happen. And now we have that in place. I'm incredibly excited because I haven't seen anything that has this level of depth that is as comprehensive as our online learning management system. Okay, exciting times ahead for you guys then. Very much so. Another thing that you've moved into in recent years has been the area of business coaching. And so one of your specialty areas is building high-performance teams. And one of the things I, I noted that you say is that building a team enables us to enhance the impact we want to have on the world. We can achieve much more as a unit than we can as an individual, which is a pretty powerful statement. And yeah, can you elaborate on that? Yeah, I'm a big believer in the power of a team. I've got, oh well, I had a, a magnificent team in my studio that really enhanced how many people and how many lives we impacted. And I sold that business in April last year and we have just a, a really high performing team at FDI. And what that enables us to do is it, it enables us to deliver a lot of education in a lot of places. And so having a team has been able, that's been the vehicle for us to magnify our impact. It's been the vehicle for us to be in more than one place at once. And yeah, like we, our vision is to enhance the impact of each and every coach. We want to maximize their impact in the world. And I can't do that on my own. I need a strong team. So I'm, you know, I can only do what I do because of the team behind me. 
and they support me. They're amazing at what they do. They deserve all the credit because they really are. They're doing a lot of the teaching and it's not just the teaching, but it's also the support behind the teaching as well. And we wouldn't be where we are as an organization if it wasn't for the incredible team. So do you think this is an area that a lot of fitness businesses fall down is the uh, lack of kind of coherence as a team? Yeah, I do. I do. I think we're in a very interesting period right now in the fitness industry where there is a dearth of quality fitness professionals looking for work right now. And so a lot of businesses, and I've just spoken to multiple today, are clamoring for good team members. And if you don't have a strategy, if you don't have a culture built around building high-performance teams, then you're going to be left behind. You really, really will. It's where a lot of these businesses are going to struggle to grow because they don't have the team to grow. So, yeah, I think it's a significant challenge right now, more so than ever. It's an area I'm really passionate about, and so I'm looking forward to sharing you know, my model and my systems on how these businesses can overcome the challenges at the moment so they can build high-performance teams and they can enhance their impact. But what I think it has forced everyone to do is to get much better at their recruitment, much better at their staffing, development, and retention, because right now, finding good quality team members is, it's a challenge. So part of that would probably relate to a a willingness for club or facility owner to invest in the ongoing education and training of the team to get them up to the the levels that they, that they want. Perhaps they're, they're employing people that they see the potential in, but aren't quite firing as highly as they should be is this something that club and facility owners and managers and operators need to put much more focus on absolutely it is yeah i really do i I think where people need to hire is they need to hire people that are congruent and in complete alignment with the gym values or the business values don't worry so much about the aptitude or the technical because you can teach that but you can't teach values you can't teach personality And so companies need to hire that and then they need to absolutely turn them from good to great. They need to turn them into superstars. That only happens if you are investing in their growth and development. And so I really admire the clubs and the businesses that are doing so because these are the guys that are going to be in business and going to be doing very well in business for a long time. And so we're working with a number of clubs and a number of gyms that want us to support their teams with good quality education because – Opportunities for growth, opportunities for progression, one of the strongest areas that an employee looks for. It's more important than money. It's more important than recognition. They want to see themselves growing. They want to see themselves progress. And so you have to have a strategy for that. If you don't, then you're not going to hold on for your team members very long. Dalla, I'm talking about your kettlebell and functional training business. And it was initially Sydney-based. I'm guessing that your, your coaching is not only Sydney-based, despite the fact that you are. I know that you're a, you're a big traveler and you, you like to, you know, you, you soak up information wherever you can over the world at these events and conventions. You go to international fitness events. You also, have you done any business coaching internationally as well? Yeah. So last year I had the opportunity at Idea World to share my business concepts in the US, in Las Vegas. So that was magnificent. I'm running, I'm sharing our concepts in Singapore over two days to fitness professionals over there. And we've had a lot of interest from China in particular about having, we call it our next generation fitness business framework. So that's the framework we use to coach our fitness professionals and fitness businesses. And so they're looking to take that on and deliver it to their students as well. So it's really exciting. It's really, really exciting to to share it and to share it amongst different cultures and different people. 
And when you were in the US, for example, the feedback you were getting, were you finding that people face it? You, you've got the same challenges in um, different markets. Is it, a, is it a universal thing? US was very, very similar. Yes. So in a lot of ways, the models and the challenges and the opportunities are very, very similar. It will be interesting when we start rolling this out in Southeast Asia because, again, there are key differences. So they don't have as many freelance trainers. They have more employee position trainers. So Fitness First, for example, over in many of the Southeast Asian countries uses an employee model as opposed to a freelancer model. So that's a key difference and it presents key differences in how they operate and run their businesses as well. So we will have to tailor the framework a little bit towards the market itself. Yeah, interesting how the different models would uh, would affect these behaviours. Yeah, it is. It is. Look, overall, there's some fundamentals that never change. So you need to attract new people into your business at all times. You need to have multiple layers of revenue in your business. So you need to spread out your risk and attract people at different price points. You need to have amazing systems, whether they're training systems or business systems. You need to understand metrics. You need to understand financial reports. So those things never change. It's just some of the, some of the finer details change. Absolutely. The end goal is always the same. It's just the, the journey. The journey varies. Absolutely it is. Yeah. So, you know, each and every person is looking to enhance their business mm-hmm. so they can make more money, they can have a bigger impact, they can create more leverage, and they can stay in the industry longer. The, the ultimate outcomes remain the same. How we get there will vary very, very slightly, and there's some big pillars and rocks that will be the same. But, yeah, just some of the nuances and some of the specific strategies and tactics will change because some are more culturally appropriate than others. In China, for example, we can't do Facebook ads. You know, We can't use YouTube. So how are we attracting our clientele in that market? So things will be different. So we've got to tailor the information accordingly. So on that, how are you attracting the <laughs> in that market? How are you attracting that market? So again, some of the fundamentals will stay the same. So in terms of building really strong community, so your clients stay for a long time, building and infusing really good referral programs into your business, having great JVs and partnerships, that will still happen. They still have some social media platforms like WeChat and the like that we can leverage. So... There's some, some big things that remain the same and then there's some other things that will be a little different. So, yeah, that's that's essentially how they will be using an attraction model in that market. Well, it's hard enough to stay uh, on top of what, of what we need to do marketing-wise with social media when it's in your own language, <laughs> let alone in China. So, you know, hats off to you for giving that a go. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a, a nice welcome challenge. I'm looking forward to it. I'll make sure I uh, provide a progress report. <laughs> Dan, it's been great chatting to you. Thank you very much for joining us on the Fitness Entry Podcast. Anything else that's on the horizon for you guys? Look, really our focus has been on two main programs that we're developing. So this year I had a look that we're always inundated with terrific opportunities. But really where we're looking to develop is we've got our flagship Master Functional Trainer Program and we want to see as many people, as many gyms, as many businesses embrace that because I believe it's the most comprehensive program of its ever that's been created in that space and it really will enhance the impact, the knowledge, and just every element for a coach. So that's one part that we're really focusing on. The other part is our game changer, which is our business accelerator. So, you know, I believe a business should be a vehicle for not only providing an income, but you should also provide consistency in terms of the income that you're creating. It should provide more certainty in life 
And so that's what we try to achieve in our game changer program. So for us, it's just sharing these models, sharing these systems and just watching trainers and other fitness professionals take it, adopt it and just use it and have a big impact with it. Great advice. Dan, if people want to find out anything more about you and your work, where should they go? Yeah. Big fan on Facebook. We've chatted about Facebook. So jump on Facebook. I've got a couple pages there. I've got my personal page, Daniel Henderson. I do have a business page there, Dan J. Henderson. We've got a functional training institute page. We have a game changer page. So there's lots there. Instagram, I'm the coaches of coach. I'm the coach of coaches. I've got a functional training institute page as well. So they're the best ways to get in touch. And yeah, if you found anything valuable, have any questions from today, I love connecting with fit pros from all around the world. So please reach out and I'd love to uh, meet you and connect and hopefully provide provide some value. Dan, thank you. You've provided some value today and um, we look forward to chatting again. Thank you. Thank you very much. Appreciate the opportunity. For a range of online strength and conditioning courses, go to the network website and select the courses tab. Members of Australian Fitness Network make huge savings of up to 30% on courses. Go to fitnessnetwork.com.au today to grow your skill set and fitness career. And for face-to-face learning, remember that network members also save on standard rates for Filex, the fitness industry convention.